720 WGN. Hello, it's Amy Guth in for Pete McMurray today with you till five o'clock. So at the top of the show, I said, hey, you should get excited about all the exciting and fun and smart and interesting people coming in here today to talk with you. And was I wrong? No. Here's the second example of that. Nikki Lynette is here with us today. She is in studio. Let me make sure I've turned on the correct microphone. Hi. Hi. You know what? I was thinking right before you walked in the studio, Nikki, I think it has been 10 years since we've been on the radio together. Sick. Because we were over at Tribune Tower, over there on Michigan Avenue. I think it was a long time ago. It was. We've come full circle, though. <laughs> it's been a we've thing. upgraded so significantly since then. That's true. We have yeah. made some big changes in our lives since then, for sure. <laughs> well, so um, last time you were here, you were talking about your music, which is still a thing. And everybody, if you follow me on Twitter, I'm going to be sharing some links to all of the exciting musical things that you do. But here today, we are talking about a really exciting project. You've got many projects cooking. Kind of <laughs> all of a sudden, you're doing a lot of things out of nowhere. I've followed you on social media for a long time. Uh, but uh, one of those things is a production that you're doing with Steppenwolf's Lookout series. Tell me about this play and, and kind of the backstory of how it came to be. Girl. Okay. So my play is called Get Out Alive. It's going to be, uh, it debuts, its theatrical debut is at Steppenwolf um, from January 30th to February 2nd. And it's being produced by an amazing group of people, uh, Ira Antelis, Brandon Bowers, I think David Bell's involved. Um, some amazing people on the team directed by Roger Ellis. And the the thing about my play, I call it the little play that could <laughs> like, because I initially like, girl, I never wrote no play before. <laughs> this is my first time. And what happened was I went through, uh, as you know, I went through a really serious mental health crisis. I had a breakdown after having a couple really bad things happen to me, going through a really toxic relationship. And it, Led, led to me being hospitalized and being diagnosed with PTSD and, and an anxiety disorder. So dealing with depression for many years uh, led to that. And coming out of it was a challenge. And so when I finally started getting better, I sat down with Ira Antelis. If you do not know who he is, Google it. He is the man. And he says to me, like, you should write a play about, you know, like your experiences. Maybe, maybe if it's something good, maybe I'll be able to help you, you know, get it out there or something. Like neither of us really knew. He was kind of telling me to do it kind of more from a cathartic mm -hmm. standpoint, from a creative standpoint. I don't think either of us really knew what we had on the line. And so I'd never written a play before, Amy. You know me. Like I'm a rapper and I can write like articles. I used to write for the trip and for all Red the blog posts all yeah. the things yeah i still have my uh chicago now blog i just do the nikki lynette blog for yeah. black history month every year like no matter what without fail but what happened was i'd never written a play and so and i was very insecure about my ability to then it just so happens i get a call from pussy riot Mm -hmm. And they wanted me to open for the first three dates of their American tour. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe this idea that I have for the play, I can kind of workshop it on stage mm -hmm. at the Pussy Riot concert and see if it works. And so I did that and all three nights it killed. And so my producer, Ira, he saw what I was trying to do. And he's like, finish this. We need to get it out there, you know. So he took me and we presented it to two different people. The first one, he's like, yeah, that's good. The second one was the person that ended up getting me involved with American Music Theater Project. And I became the first black woman to ever have my work produced by American Music Theater Project. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and so what 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 is the reach of the American Music Theater Project? Because they do a lot of stuff. 
stuff. There's a lot going on with them. I mean, just kind of I know, digging stuff, through like, their work online. There's so much going on. Internationally, like they be having plays like in, in festivals in Glasgow. Like this is a, I didn't know about theater, Amy. I didn't know. It's like a whole new world. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that there were, that the theater was such a, a internationally recognized art form so far reaching. Mm-hmm. I never thought about it. I always thought that what I did as a as an indie artist was harder because I have to write a song and I have to be cool and I have to go online and I have to do a concert. But theater is different because every second you are on that stage, you have to be conscious of so many different things. And American Music Theater Project has been around for 15 years. So they've developed work from people that have like won Tony Awards and stuff like that. And the beauty of it is like you get to work with Northwestern students. And so like my the initial workshop presentation of my play the the two dancers that i had were dancers that were from northwestern and when i tell you that these girls were professionals like they knew things about theater like i don't know a lot about theater because i'm a newbie they knew stuff like i was following their lead like oh that's what downstage (laughs) that's what a bomb is you know what i'm saying so like they contributed a lot to my growth too so it's amazing that american music theater project makes this opportunity available for playwrights um, and it's amazing that I was able to be involved with something that people who are like award winning writers have been able to do. I got oh, very you're, lucky. Your awards are coming. Ah. I, I feel it. I know. I know. I know your work. I know how you do. So how would you compare that process of, you know, getting uh, music work released and, and performing it in front of a live audience and that rehearsal process oh. and that preparation? How would you compare that with this, what this theater process has been so far? So what's interesting is like, I feel like it's a coming together of both worlds, which is why I've been very adamant about making sure that we are promoting this play in places where like millennials and Gen Z are going to see it because it's not only for, you know, the traditional theater people It's for people who just enjoy entertainment, period. I think it's a little less highbrow than a lot of plays that I've seen. I mean, in my opinion, I think it's more accessible. Like in my play, my play is a musical. I call it a play, but it's a musical. And a lot of the songs that I that I put into it are songs I wrote as I was going through the things that you know that that had have that are part of my mental illness mm-hmm. um like there are two songs in the play that legit sent me to the hospital while I was in Nashville working on them like I ended up being hospitalized and that was actually the last time I ever had to fill a prescription for meds I had to be on meds to even finish those songs so the it's a it's a more deliberate mm-hmm. process I would say because now you have this song right what does the lighting of this song feel like? What does the movement around this song feel like? What is your intention? What do you want people to feel while you perform this song? How does it fit contextually into this story? And I have an amazing director named Roger Ellis who figures all of that stuff out for me so I don't have to. It's it's just the whole team around my play is so dope. They make it all come to life in a way I never knew. And now being in theater impacts the way that I perform on stage. Because when I open for Lion Babe and then over the summer when I open for Likely 47 mm-hmm. at uh, 
Wicker Park Fest, like I was doing some of the theatrical versions of my songs and not like just the recorded version. Interesting. So. I was curious about that. If that would, if if those things would start to merge a little bit, or if you'd see influence in your music from theater. But and apparently you do. I have, and even like so. Right now, I have this um this vinyl project do I'm doing. It's called Band Aids for Broken Hearts, and it's like a mixtape that is only being released on vinyl. So if you're a vinyl lover, go Google Band Aids for Broken Hearts because it's all like stuff that's only going to be on vinyl but the way that I do my play has influenced the way that I'm doing that project like even like some of I'm being more conversational in it and I'm opening up about things that I haven't opened up in music you know in my music about before and even a couple songs from the play are going to be on that project and this project is where I'm seeing the influence of theater because the drama is kind of showing up in the music. And I love this. Like, this is the evolution of an artist when you like, as you grow, you are supposed to evolve and you're supposed to change. And so I can see my evolution now because I've done theater. Yeah, I, I think I'm very interested in exactly the thing you just said of how many artists really seem lately like more and more it is less about a strict adherence to a particular art form and more about just being open to a creative process and, and whatever form that takes and where that leads them. Cause I'm finding more and more, you know, like this, a musical artist going to a theatrical production or theater bec- incorporating more, you know, maybe there's a band on stage. Maybe there's art happening on stage while it's happening. I think it's kind of an interesting moment in the arts realm where a lot of merging is happening. I love that too. Like I'm a visual artist. I did my first, you came, I I did did my first gallery and sold out of everything. And I thought that was amazing. And I did an acoustic set at the house of blues where I'm like singing and rapping over just guitar. And we sold that out. You know, it was in the foundation room. I didn't like sell out the house of blues. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But you know, it was a foundation room and it was packed. And I think that I don't know about like every genre of music i know about hip-hop and i know about alternative because that's where i that's my world that's Mm -hmm. where i live and you can age out very quickly in those lanes if you do not evolve you can't just do exactly what you came in doing people expect to see the evolution of you and if you can't evolve if you can't grow with people because your your listeners are growing your fans are growing if you can't evolve then why would they continue to listen to you they could just go play their old jam they already know the words to so I think our job as artists is to always be giving people reasons to check in and tune in with the new things that we're up to. And that's why I love, you know, I do my mental health advocacy through my art now. I have to do it because my mental illness is a big part of my life. There's not a day where I'm not affected by it in some way. And so to be able to do the mental health advocacy through my art has given me more bravery, I guess, to try new things and experiment with parts of myself that I've always kept more to myself. Like I can put it out there a little bit now because now it has more context. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a, um, as more people have started having candid and open conversations about mental health, I, 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 I'm very heartened by that because I think that was such a topic that was so taboo for such a long time. And a lot of people suffered very quietly. And, and I think it's very important that people that have platforms that have had that experience are talking about it. I think that's really significant that we're in this moment, especially for young people. Yeah. And some of us were so, some of us were affected greatly, not only by mental illness, but by the stigma because my recovery was significantly delayed 
because of the lack of support and the lack of care and the lack of empathy I experienced when I finally came out about it. And so my hope is that through talking about it, I can contribute to it being normalized. And that's why part of the reason, like when I talk about my play, like people say, oh, you when you talk about mental health, you're so brave. You get on a stage and talk about it and you're so brave. And that's weird to me because I'm not like I I'm not I'm not. I would have. This is what I do for a living. I would have had to get on that stage anyway. I have talents that make it so that when I do a thing, people celebrate me. There are people that don't have that ability. They can't get on a stage and give statistics about mental health and have it be well received. They can't, you know, hike up their cleavage and go on (laughs) a show and get the same respect talking about this stuff that I can get because this is what I do and I'm good at it. But brave to me is the people that have to go to work and blend in in a professional environment and not get fired, but they're dealing with depression or Mm -hmm. students who have to go to school and study for tests and excel at the same level as their peers, but they navigate in anxiety. That to me is brave. What I do is what I'm supposed to be doing. It's either I'm going to be an artist and I'm going to be real and I'm going to speak my truth or I need to get out the way. Indeed. We're talking with Nikki Lynette right now about her new show, Get Out Alive. It's at Steppenwolf's Lookout series. We're going to take a little break back in just a bit here on 720 WGN. Amy Guth in for Pete McMurray today. We've been talking with Nikki Lynette. She is an independent artist doing lots of cool stuff. She is the vision of creativity, and I am a big fan of all of her work, and she's here in studio with us. We've been talking about her new play coming up at Steppenwolf in their Lookout series. It's called Get Out Alive. If you follow me on social media, I'll be sharing links to it and to her you can find her website and her connect with her on social media she's very very funny on instagram very cool on instagram and twitter and all the things um and nikki we've been talking about your play and uh and all of the different creative endeavors that you're doing and you mentioned the vinyl project that you're working on band-aids for broken hearts tell me a little more about that because uh, i've i've heard you talk about it and i've seen the beautiful cover for it and it's interesting about how your all of your different projects seem to be intersecting around themes right now yeah. So Band-Aids for Broken Hearts is kind of the project I wish I'd have had to listen to when I was going through, you know, a really tough breakup. And, you know, my trauma disorder was caused by a negative relationship, something that was very toxic for me. And so now it's kind of like I get to speak to people in a loving and empathetic way that speaks to the pain that that they might be experiencing or people that just want to hear something groovy and kind of raw and vinyl is making this huge comeback is making this huge reemergence and it's such a intimate thing because in order for people to listen to vinyl they have to be at home like when a person puts on a record it's a you're putting it on and you're planning to be in your home it's a very intentional thing you know what i mean and so i wanted to create something like a person's in their home they're listening to it i have their attention how can i impact them and i'm writing from that space and it's it's fun yeah yeah Yeah. and then what is um have you prepared or, or approached vinyl differently than than other music projects yes i have (laughs) (laughs) because okay so what i'm doing is normally like when i record songs i always record them in my computer first i do like the little vocals on my little you know not studio quality mic and but it sounds really cool to me like it sounds cool to me but it doesn't make the final production because i work with peerless studios and matt hennessy at vsop studios Mm -hmm. and matt would never let my computer (laughs) vocals go out like vsop don't play that but 
what I'm doing for this project is I am recording on top of those. So you get some of that rawness and that initial emotion. It's in there. But you also get some of the studio quality because I'm re-recording certain elements mm. just so it has a higher quality feel. And I'm excited about that because I, for the first time, that initial rawness that I had when I created that work is going to be part of the project. That's mad cool to me. That's really I interesting. Love it. Yeah, that's really creative. And then you also have a documentary that you're working on. It's called Happy Songs About Unhappy Things. And the reason I did it is because when I was working on my play, I realized, like, dang, like, yeah, my story is unique to me. This is my story. But everybody got a story. Everybody who ever went through anything that caused a mental health issue or depression or anxiety, they all got a story. And so I'm creating an opportunity not only for people to share those stories, but also to find accessible solutions for people to navigate their mental wellness. Because I think that what we don't think about is that everybody has mental health, right? Like we all have like physical health and we all have mental health that we should be having mental hygiene around. But like, when do we have that conversation? That's right. And so this documentary is us having that conversation. And what have been the, the biggest challenges of making that project come together? Money. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> I am poor. If anyone wants to give me all of their money, I will gladly accept it. <laughs> anyone would like to produce that or become an executive <laughs> producer? Exactly. Just, um, you know, like, fortunately, I have some amazing people. Mm-hmm. Chris Adams from Impact Studios. Ellie Lyon. She's uh, um an amazing. She's my assistant director. Fortunately, we have some really t- cool opportunities coming up that I'll, I'll come back and talk to you about those because I can't. I can't tell just yet. That's right. But um, we do have some opportunities to raise some money. I have an amazing uh, marketing company out of L.A. I haven't even publicized this yet, but they've been consulting me. They flew me out at the top of the year last year to L.A. and they want to be involved in the documentary. So they've been consulting me and the next steps are going to be pretty major. So just raising the money for that. It's Mm -hmm. not. You know, I, I'm only really having to afford the cost of opportunity. So it's yeah. not that bad. It's just like I'm scared to spend a dime on anything because I have to be able to afford the cost of opportunity for this documentary. So I would be able to like go out and buy nice baller boots or take vacations and stuff like that if I didn't have my documentary to worry about. But, you know, I'd rather have my super cool documentary that's making yeah. an impact than some I new hear. flat boots. I, but if anybody wants to give me boots, <laughs> I will <laughs> I'll take the boots. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Well, I'm unfortunately we are running out of time. I wish you could hang out the rest of the day. It's oh, always no so fun to talk with you. Thank you so much again. For those of you who follow me on social media, I will post links to all of these cool things and to Nikki's website. And there will be links posted at WGNRadio.com when the podcast is all ready. Nikki Lynette, thank you so much for stopping by today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Always love having your energy in the room. All right, we're going to take a little break. Back in just a bit here on 720 WGN.